Hi, everybody. <laughs> Hi. We, uh, Helena's like, are we starting? Yep, we're starting. <laughs> I'm in the middle of a hot flash, so I'm like, are we live? We're live now. We'll give a minute or two for uh, li- live listeners to get in here. This is also going to go out. Uh, oh, no. What is that? What's what? I just had a pop-up window. Okay. Phew, I thought I lost you guys. Uh, so I'm in the middle of storms here. So if I disappear, you guys can go without me. Oh, okay. We can carry on. <laughs> yeah, we got this. I'm wearing sparkles tonight, people. I know. You're very shiny. It's 8 o'clock. I, just, so, I yeah. brought my wine. Yes! <laughs> you got a vat of wine. Oh, you both have vats of wine. Wine is sparkling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. All right. Tell us who's joining, because sometimes we just see Facebook user on the, uh, on the comments. So uh, type your name in. Tell us where... <laughs> Uh, Diane's been drinking, so <laughs> she's been waiting and drinking. So that's good. Uh, we're going to put this out on the uh, auditor podcast feed as well. So it'll be going out as audio as well. Okay. Which is all right. There's not a lot of visuals. I can, we'll describe what Helena looks like. She's wearing a very pretty white sparkly sweater. She has her hair all up in the Farrah Fawcett do. Oh, yeah. It's uh, my 70s look. But I can't. <laughs> 70s look. Look it. I can't. Like, all right, there we go. Nikki's oh, when you uh, look at yourself in, a in the um sweater with a heart heart necklace. Oh, no, it's a little seahorse kind of thing necklace, with a little horsey, uh, like kind of a medieval kind of thing. Yeah. I got. We were just talking about the fact that she lives. Uh, she goes to Pennsylvania Renaissance Fair. <gasps> Jennifer and I met. I haven't I'm been like to a Renaissance kid. Fair in a long time. <laughs> well, we went with you guys, didn't we? Go to one of them. Me? Rhode Island or Boston or something? No, we didn't go together. I wanted to, but you blew me off. <laughs> I know we went with somebody up there. I don't know who. It wasn't us. Do you want to process that, Helena? Where we're <laughs> There's a therapist. Yeah. yeah. What the fuck is up with that? <laughs> <laughs> Boom. I just dropped it. We're like two minutes into this call. Yes. Robin is here. Patty's here. Alex is here. Good to see all you guys. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome to comment in the comments about anything we talk about. Uh, we'll try and notice it. Helena, we also have a private chat going. If it's on the, it's I think yep. it's what on the right there, Nikki. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. All right, let's uh, let's get started. So uh, obviously you know who Helena and I are, uh, but we do have a special guest here. And that's Nikki. So, Nikki, tell us about you. You actually have some credentials to do this kind of counseling thing, don't you? I do. I, like I told Helene, I paid a lot of money you know, for just some fun letters to throw up there. So I am a licensed social worker. I'm a licensed drug and alcohol counselor. I am a cert- clinic- certified clinical trauma professional and a certified clinical supervisor. So all of them sound really fun and fancy, but really when it comes down to it, I can, do, I can counsel. I can talk to people and get paid for it. So Helena before we started. <laughs> she, I know. I was having issues. Um, but that's like serious stuff. So you're you're kind of entrenched in real world problems and these are serious problems. Yeah, my main focus is uh, drugs and alcohol. I used to work for an inpatient and I work for outpatient. Most of my clients are from drug court, which means that they have some criminal charges and then they have the drug and alcohol issue. Um, so really, it's, yeah, a lot of my clients is life and death. I've had a lot of um, deaths from the opioid epidemic for my clients and a lot of, I've seen a lot of sad stories. I'm very um, 
one of my main focuses is trauma. I've actually created a trauma program for um, Recovery Centers America when I was there. And I'm really big with those two factors. Also working with personality disorders and um, self-mutilators and all kinds of just other people who people don't really want to work with. Um, so, yeah, things I do is heavy, so which is why I'm pretty comical because I try to lighten things up with laughter and fun. Good Lord, that is heavy. You and, have, and I like that I, the uh, drug and alcohol best... lady is drinking. I like that. I do. So my, this happens a lot. So I'll be at a bar and I, you know, we drink, you know, my husband likes to like blow my covers. I tell people I'm a rodeo clown when they ask. I'm at the bar, I'm trashed. I'm like, ah, he's like, that's what she does. She's a director of a substance abuse place. And I'm like, <laughs> like I'm licking the bar, like the bar top. And I'm like, seriously, like, every time he dimes me out every single time. So, <laughs> yeah, if not, people don't ask. I just tell me I'm either a rodeo clown or dolphin trainer or something fun. Something that, I listen to enough equine clicker one one I could be a dolphin trainer. It's like George Costanza could be an architect. I could be a dolphin trainer. Thank you, Sean. When I was younger, so I figure I could get through. Yeah. Hey, Alina, can you turn your volume up a tiny bit yet? Yep. Um, that would require some math. Hold on a minute. There it's you go. That's weak. good, actually. Uh, I didn't touch it. Oh. <laughs> I think you got closer to it is what you did. Yeah, probably. How's that? Is that better? Yeah, that's better. Okay. okay. So, Helena, would you please read the very important legal disclaimer? Yes, I would. Okay, folks, this is an adult show. It is not safe for small children or for work. Uh, this might not even be okay for some grown-ups. Uh, after all, it's called the What the Fuck Advice Show. Everything that we say on this show is for entertainment only please don't think that we're giving actual advice uh, to anyone about anything. I mean, if you need that, then go seek someone who's way more professional than us. Just not Nikki because she's busy. And <laughs> that won't be difficult. Go to Dr. Google. Dr. Google will tell you where to go. And finally, if you have any complaints about this show, you can put them in an email to Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. Because we all know that's where the complaints go. Now, we got a lot of questions. I was afraid that we wouldn't have enough to even do this. I thought it would be a bust. But <laughs> apparently, auditors out there have a lot of troubles. So uh, we got a lot. We'll get through what we can. We're not going to get to all of them. There's no way we're getting to all of them. Uh, so this will also go out on the auditor podcast feed. So if you miss any of it in the live show here tonight, if you miss our beautiful smiling faces, you can go listen to us on the auditor podcast feed. If you can't figure out how to do that, I have tried. I have tried to get you people on that and figuring it out. I'm not, I'm giving up now. If you're not on it, I can't help you. <laughs> this is a help show. Guys. Yeah. <laughs> you need to kind of think about helping people. Nikki, oh, so what we did is we each picked two, and we'll we'll so that's six that we're going to definitely get to, and if we have time, we'll do some more. But uh, we each picked two that we wanted to highlight, and I could have picked the two Helena. I could have I identified which one she was going to pick. Really? Yes, I did. I know you really well. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> and so let's give our guest, our very special guest, uh, <laughs> option to go first. So pick. You can read one of your. Now, some of these were anonymous, and some said we could use their names. Ooh, I have so. to pull, let me pull up. Uh, I didn't pull up the actual one that had it. So give me a second. I know it's somebody who actually likes her husband, which I was like, oh, let's check this out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she married a guy who wants to get into horse to, has horses, and, like, it's really, like, invested. Um, I'm going to just sum it up because I remember, you know, saying that I guess he is now his new She's involved with horses. He wants to get involved with horses, but he's not listening to her when he, she's around saying, 
hey, you might not want to get to the back of the horse. You might not want to like go to the front of the horse charging at you. I mean, me, I, I kind of would see what happens trial by fire, but that's the horse girl me. The therapist me would ask to see, you know, what is kind of the barrier of the block? Like, what is going on? Why is he not hearing you when you're trying to give him advice? Um, sometimes I think as horsewomen, we do that. Stop. Don't. But it sounds like you were actually sitting down with him and saying, like, hey, like. Okay. Can I interrupt know, here? Can sure. I interrupt a little, Mickey? <laughs> sure. All right. I'm, I'm going to be interrupting a lot when it comes to horse husbands. So, <laughs> so this is, we all do this. I did it, too. And what she's talking about is we kind of don't listen because we want to be this macho man and we don't realize that horses are dangerous for a while. And there's a period of time that we don't get it. And we're trying just and and let's be honest, we don't listen very well anyway as a group. So we're not very good at listening to our wives in the beginning. We I think you figure that out after a period of time in the hospital. But. Buck was a little you different because he came from horse girls. He had horse girls. Yes, yes, but he's still a horse husband and and insists on doing things that he knows is the right way to do them until they hurt. Mm. And then then suddenly it becomes about my way. But yeah, I mean, some people just need to learn for themselves. I'm one of those people too, so I can understand that. You, you know. But I also listen. Uh, there's nothing like pain that teaches you to listen. <laughs> For 12 years, I've been trying to get her to learn. And uh, look at where we are. <laughs> <laughs> and it is, It's I think, because it, it's our passion. It's our safe space. And it is. I know my husband's the same way. Like, he'll jump in when he sees, like, I have a thoroughbred mare. So Lena can totally uh, sympathize right now. And the moods change, like, the wind and her my underwear. Like, I mean, it depends on what mood she's in. She'd be doing, being sweet and all of a sudden be like, I'm out of here. I'm going to, like, I'm going to F you up. So he, you know, it's, it's really trying to, he wants to be macho. He wants to be that savior. Be like, I got her. I got this. And all of a sudden she's dragging him down the field. I'm like, okay, bud, you, you got this. I'm like, yeah. let me know when you need my help. Scream. <laughs> so sometimes it is learning by trial, by, by fire. It really is. Sometimes you can keep saying, keep saying, and, and when he gets hurt, and unfortunately that's going to happen if he doesn't listen, it's going to not end, end well. Freaking husbands, uh, Joanna said. <laughs> <laughs> I was really bad at the at the wanting to do the mechanical and the fencing and the repair things. I always thought I had a better way to do that, and uh, I I was wrong about that too. But that took me some years to figure out. It's well, I mean, have talk to to Buck about putting fencing up when he put uh, uh, fencing at three and a half, four feet high. And cemented the corners in, and I came home and said, "That fence is too low." What do you mean the fence is too low? Yeah, the fence is too low. The fence is too low, but it's cemented in. The fence is too low. No, it's not. Yes, it is. <laughs> so we ripped out the corners, and we set the fence up to the right height. Well, now that he sees them lean on it, scratch their butts on it, try to get through it. Yeah, the fence is at the right height. But, you know, when you've been keeping horses for so long and you've been working with them for so long, you know, you know what not to do. You know how high your fences have to be. You know how hot they have to be. Um, and it sometimes that goes against common sense. So, Glenn, you and, and everybody's husbands can say, this makes sense to me. It's common sense. That's, that's different. That's not horse sense. Uh, I, I, are you hearing an echo? Uh, we're, we're also yes. getting complaints that we're echoing. Um, All of it uh, or just me? 
No, now I'm not hearing it. It seems to come and go. I don't know why. Uh, so, so what? Uh, what is the psychological way that? Is there a psychological way that you can talk your husband not into getting kicked in the balls or not? I mean, almost no, because I we had, there's actually study that men do actually hear women's voices differently, different frequencies. We talk more, we give out more verbiage. It's actually it's interesting because a lot of times you guys just don't hear us. What I thought was interesting when she wrote in was the trainer. He listens to the trainer. And sometimes we do that. We block spouses out, right? There's plenty of trainers who have wives and they don't take lessons from them because, again. Oh, I could. Right. I tried taking lessons with Jennifer. I couldn't do it. Right. You don't hear her. You're like, wah, wah, wah. Fall off. Wah, wah, wah. It's your fault. Like, you know. All I heard was her bitching at me. It was like, I'm trying here, but she's getting so frustrated. And then I get frustrated. It's like, okay, that's it. We're not doing this anymore. And I think that, you know, he probably means well. And it sounds like he's excited to be part of her life and excited to be in the horses, but that he just is literally blocking her out no matter what she says. So I think part of it is having some of the trainers say it to him. And then also being like, okay, I told you, like, it's going to happen. You know, um, I, for example, I went shooting with my husband once and I happened to take the gun and like whipping the gun around and I wasn't listening to him. He's like, shut the gun down. And then one guy goes like, lady, you're going to get shot at if you keep doing that. I'm like, Granted, noted, taken, mental note, I'm good. <laughs> I'm going to put my gun down now. <laughs> like, so I needed that. I needed to probably hear from somebody else and be like, yo, bitch, like, you know, put it down. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it happens even horse girls too, but I think, you know, it, it is uh, a man just not hearing his woman and welcome to married life. Welcome to marriage. I was just going to say that also crosses yeah. over outside the barn yeah. into the house. Too. Oh, yeah. It sounds like they're newlyweds and he's new and that's all. That's cute. You know, after about four years, you're going to be like, yeah, stand behind that horse. You'll be fine. <laughs> Go ahead. The whole mm-hmm. get kicked in the balls yeah, thing again. You love when we get kicked in the balls. You all you all love that. You all think that's funny as shit. No. Because yes, then we do. have to live with the, with the pain, with the husband in pain. <laughs> We don't whine. We're good about that. We don't <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next question, Helena. What okay. are yours? So this was a really interesting one. Um, and can I say their names if it's on the notes? Yeah. Okay. So Rachel wrote in. She said, and my just my it really pulled at my heartstrings. I so desperately want to be creative and make art, music, visual whatever but my brain flatlines every single time i sit down to do so like there's nothing there i've tried noodling hoping some inspiration would appear but it never does how do i become creative rachel's on here too hi rachel Rachel. so uh, okay first of all you you don't need to become creative you already are so um what you need to do is find out what inspires you Anything that you do, anything that you make, anything that you move around, you can take two pieces of anything and arrange it in a way that's interesting, that's, that's not boring, that soothes you, that um, makes something, right? The creativity is in the process, not in the product. So what I do when I, like, I don't call myself an artist. I do graphic design. I write, and write, and write, and write. But I feel like I'm not creative. I'm, I'm more of a designer. I take words that already exist and I move them around on a page so that they, uh, they make me feel something or they make somebody else feel something. 
I take graphic elements and I move them around so that they look colorful and, or balanced. So it's less about what you produce and how you feel when you're doing it. And I would also say too, creativity happens for me anyway, most often when I'm alone and I'm really calm, but it doesn't just come out of the blue. I need, um, like what they call in my, my daughter's school, like a, I don't know if it's a rubric, not a rubric. It's like a, a, oh no, a prompt. You need a touchstone, something that, um, I use this all the time, a little grain of sand that then becomes a, a pearl. So anything that inspires you. Sometimes I get up in the morning and I sit down and open social media, which is part of my job, and I'll see some post about a dog or uh, something political or the environment, and it, it, it makes me feel something. And as soon as I feel something, then the creativity will start to blossom. So you, I guess I would say look for the inspiration. Look for it when you're alone and calm and quiet and then let then see what comes stop trying well i, I, th I think you, what you just said there um <laughs> oh where is, is it april? why I'm did i put verbose. april in there <laughs> blah, blah, blah. so um <laughs> i don't know how april got in there uh so what you just said you can't force creativity the more you try and, and writers will tell you that, right? Writer's block. Yep. The more they try and force it and, and make themselves do it right then when they're not in the mood. Uh, and you're right about there being different kinds of creativity. I have no artistic ability in my body, but I'm pretty creative when it comes to ideas like this, like other things that we've done. I'm creative when it comes to ideas business-wise. Yeah. Uh, and So I just... I think there's different types of creativity. I will never be an artist. I could practice all day long every day, and that's never going to happen, right? So I think that I, you can't force that either. I don't know. Yeah. Nikki, what do you I know, Sure. And actually, I know Rachel because she's one of my Facebook friends, and you know, she cuts herself short because she is very creative with her writing. Like, she is a very, very funny lady. Like, that's why I think I Facebook friend you because I'm like, you're hilarious. And I think sometimes it's like, of course, women are very type A a lot of times. And we want things to be exactly what, how we see and we want things to be perfect. But art's not perfect. And I used to do some art therapy with some of my kids. And they used to be like, I can't draw. I can't paint. I'm like, I've seen horses paint. Like, it's not about what you're going to. It's just sit down and start doodling and just let it flow. Like Helena was saying, and you never know what the product's going to be. I think when we go into the intention of being, we must have to do this and we must do that. We don't, we're not creating art, we're just creating a product, but if we kind of sit and just let it go and feel the feelings and go through like the actual art. You know, I think we really be impressed on what we can do. You know what though? <laughs> Rachel fucking works at Cirque du Soleil. So, I mean, she's around all those people that can do all those amazing things. I would feel like an ass too. Yeah, that's <laughs> tough. That's tough. Don't compare yourself. I mean, there there are people whose creativity is right there in your face and they get paid for it. This is their their thing, their gift, their talent. I hope Rachel, that you're not comparing yourself to those. I mean, people. they're all chiseled gods and goddesses that fly around and can do all these amazing things. I'd feel I'd feel inadequate too after being around that every night. I feel fat and <laughs> stiff if I look bad. Like, 
I'd be like, yeah, that's not a no. <laughs> I'm like, it doesn't watch, but it, it doesn't happen. <laughs> uh, don't, yeah, look for the inspiration, but don't try to match up what inspires you with what the end product is. Don't just go with the inspiration and let it, let it flow. All right. I don't know if we helped at all there, Rachel, uh, but you can, you can comment <laughs> there if, you, if, uh, if there was something more specific that you were trying to be creative about. All right. Uh, my, um, I once heard a dancer said, let go of what you think it should look like and instead move the way it does. Yep. 110%. Let, let it move yep. you the way it does. Yeah, that's true. Uh, let's see here. I took an anonymous one. This was sent to me privately. I'd love to know how to make it clear. A lot of husbands in this batch. Um, I'd love to know how to make it clear to my husband that getting grumpy at the new extremely unsocialized dogs we have will not make him like or will not make them like him. And he shouldn't get butt hurt when the dogs run from him in fear. They like me better because I feed them, love on them, and spend time with them at least twice a day, whereas he sees them once, maybe twice a weekend, and blah, blah, blah. Well, let's start here. I happen to know who this is, and I think they have like 12 dogs. So first of all, I'd be, I'd be like your husband. I'd be like, okay, that's just way too many dogs. I don't care about these new dogs. That's just a lot of dogs. I don't know if it's that many dogs, but she has a lot of dogs. Is it a sled team? No, no. Uh, she, she, no, she lives in the South. There's no Pack of hounds. <laughs> yeah, I know. Hey. Y'all are collectors. By the way, with all the problems with the husbands, why are you all gay? You should just have wives, right? I um, agreed. I've, you know, I tried. It's just, you know, I, I wish because it made my life be so much easier. <laughs> oh, you marry a pretty like wife me. who hates animals. <laughs> I know. I'm like, man, life would have so been easier. I even went to, I was in a sorority one time. I'm like, it didn't stick. But yeah, <laughs> 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 Helena never you, didn't stick either. Helena, you're not going there. What didn't stick? The 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 uh, getting a wife thing. Oh no, I would just probably end up with a bitch like me. <laughs> <laughs> so they do, I, they, they and my husband's really you cute. Have a husband, so. you have a wife. They do say if you're a working woman and you have a husband, you actually have a wife too because that way she can balance it all out i'm down totally down for that i tried oh, to get what is that called away. polyamory Poly yeah. well, if you're married to them it's poly polygamy yeah i like my husband i i love him he's really good he's a good uh horse husband by the way he's i cannot cool. understand the whole polygamous thing how why you'd want to <laughs> i would be fighting uh, honestly i get that people like i read this advice um, column online called Captain Awkward. I love her. She's a script, a script writer and people write in with some really weird problems. And her job is to actually help them put into words what they really want to say, right? Diplomatically, but straightforward. So um, it was from Captain Awkward that I learned that no is a complete sentence. Mm -hmm. um, I forgot where I was going with this. <laughs> I completely lost my train of thought. Oh, no, but we, we should probably try and help this yeah. poor person with all the dogs and the husband who ate all the animals. Wait, it was, why do we love our husbands? We lo I love my husband. Oh, polyamory. Oh. Okay, sorry. So I'll, I'll try to make this quick. So anyway, there's a lot of people, there's this like a lot of people out there who think it's good for them to be in a relationship with two people or three people. 
And it's like, okay, this is the open relationship, but a step further. I am, I couldn't, I'm like, I would be so jealous and so self-conscious and weird. I, could you guys like, I just want somebody to cook and clean for me. I mean, I like, <laughs> my husband went down to Columbia. He sometimes, he's a contractor and he was sent down overseas and he thinks, he thought it's funny. He's like, I'm going to bring him a Colombian wife. I'm like, please do. If she doesn't speak English, great. As long as she can clean, cook, takes care of your ass, bring her up. I'll clean the spare room. <laughs> like, you're not going to go. It's like, it sounds great to me. I'll go ride my horse. Like, if we're tying my horse then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In, in the theory, in a nice little bubble that I would imagine. I'm sure if she came into the house, it'd be a little different, but. But wait a minute. So, but wouldn't you just like hire a housekeeper then? Mm, I mean, I don't know if I want the housekeeper like you know, doing all the services. <laughs> <laughs> Including the wifely duties. The wifely duties. Yeah, I'm like, how are you for wifely duties? Like, <laughs> Housekeeper. So that's the husband keeper as well. <laughs> husband keeper, Yes. I feel a new career. I, with my luck, I would end up just having to cook for two of them. That would you, be my would. you get two worse girls. Yeah, <laughs> that's what would happen. It would just be, I'd just be double the trouble. All right, we'll get back to the dogs. Okay. So, uh, you know, one of the your biggest problems, you got new dogs during a quarantine. So that was probably not the smartest move. Um, and at, and if you're already adding them to a house full of animals and others and kids, I do know they have kids too. It's, I mean, it's just, maybe he's just had it. You know, it's just like enough of this. <laughs> I don't know that we can judge anything by quarantine time, is no. what I'm saying. No, no, you can't. I, 12 dogs is a lot. I don't but, think it's 12. Oh. Might be my cousin, my cousin Trisha has nine dogs. Oh, my God. I know. A lot of them are little, but she just keeps getting them. I know. She the loves them. The worst, they bark all the time. Then there's just more barky little ones. I know. I know. There's a guess, neighbor here that has four has... or five little barky little ones. And it's like, oh, my God, just shut up. Guess who has zero dogs? Yeah, we do now, too. Yeah. Zero dogs. It's very sad. You, Yeah, you you had dogs for a long time. Yeah, oh, yeah, big ones. Yeah, big, big yeah. ones. Big, hairy ones. I miss having that hair stuck to my face in the hot <laughs> summer. <laughs> Driving the Subaru down 95, St. Bernard <laughs> here. <laughs> what do you have, Nikki? Do you have a dog? Sure, I got two dogs. I used to have the two greyhounds, and then they yeah. passed. And we have two rescues. One's an Australian cattle dog mix named Jax, and the other one is a red coon hound named Nia. And, yeah, they're a lot of fun. They're definitely different than the greyhounds. They're full they're, of energy, aren't they? Oh, yeah. Well, the, the cattle dog's mostly mine. It has the same energy as I do, so it's, we kind of get along real real well but uh yeah and, and the, um the coonhounds is real like she's like a like a, like a, a valley girl she's kind of like oh, okay whatever you want like she's they're fun I, I love dogs i don't think i can be without any dogs uh, we're uh i caught jennifer looking at the greyhound pages the other day oh they're hard i had blocked i couldn't do it joel's like maybe we can have just one more, like one more dog and get another greyhound I'm like I can't. I can't really do it. Actually, I'm surprised how few there are available. You know, all these articles yeah. about them coming off the tracks, they're getting adopted. Yeah, they're not fast. Yeah. They're, well, they like, make great pets. Yeah, they do. People figured that out. Yeah. So um, basically for this person is, I have no idea. They kick him in the ass. I don't know. Oh, kick in the ass? Kick that's your advice? The husband, kick him in the ass. Yeah, yeah. that's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so we we've, we've created a new career, uh, a wife, ke husband keeper, and oh, a work husband. 
Husband keeper. Alex says I need a husband keeper. Um, okay. So is it my turn? Maybe we should just recommend divorce to everybody that we can't solve their marital problems. What do you think? <laughs> just um, divorce them. Get a new one. Or don't get a new one. Probably better idea. Don't get a new one. No, seriously. You need to figure out why you have so many dogs and <laughs> your husband resents that. She's probably going to kill me because I don't know, really know how many she has. I just kind of remember having more than You me. can tell. Okay, this is what we say to everybody. Like, you attract your life, right? So if the dogs hate you, you need to ask yourself why. Like, why do the dogs hate you? And especially animals. Animals and little kids, they are 100% a reflection of the energy that you're putting out. And especially thoroughbred mares, just saying. Absolutely. But, Right. Mm -hmm. So they're a reflection of what you put. And it sucks because you're like, I'm, you know, my, my dog's like wants to pee on my leg. My, my cat, one of my cats is like peeing in the laundry basket. I'm like, what did I do to make pee on my clothes? You do need to ask yourself, what are you putting out there? Because your animals, the, the dogs are reflecting that back. But also your wife needs to say, what am I not getting from my relationship? What am I, not, am I not getting from my life that another dog is supposed to give me? Right, Nikki? Like, mm -hmm. You're the professional here. There's no, some... you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, talking to him about that, I think it, it may, may be other anger coming from somewhere else and the dogs are just an easy target. Mm -hmm. um, it sounds like he wants to be, you know, with the dogs. He wants to be, you know, included, but it's going about the wrong way. And again, it goes back to the first question. Maybe it's like kind of that manhandling that kind of like, if I rough and I gruff and I bark at them, they'll listen. And that's not really the reproach for animals. You know, they're not respecting him as the alpha. They're respecting her and maybe change it up. Like he feeds them instead of her. And she, he does more walking instead of her. Um, you can always pull the horse girl trick and get him his own dog. Like, <laughs> like here, have another. <laughs> Let's add one more to the mix. That's getting, that's, that's coming to the back door. This one's yours. <laughs> or it could so, be we're in quarantine and we're all just fucked up. <laughs> we're all just cranky. It's, yeah. it's really like, you know, it's like the shining in most houses. So Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Carol had a plan. She got three dogs and got rid of the husband. <laughs> so <there you> go. <laughs> all right, Nikki, uh, your next one. All right. This one's a good one. This one uh, sent in. Let's see. I believe they put a name. Ashley questioned, who I do you guys think that the common pickup line ride me like you do your horses is going to work so one of the things <laughs> i've never I mean, used that one to be honest I'm, I'm not guilty of that one wow i know that many of us horse girls have used a line like i have 1200 pounds underneath my leg i can handle you i have used that line at a bar a few times but being that said i have had that happen where people are like ride me like your horse i'm like okay so Let's go with horses and expectations. Like, what is your expectation of how I ride? Is it me getting on a dollar, like the 25 cent horse at front of the, you know, shop right? Or is it like what I really do? Because what I really do would involve a lot of things. You're going to be brushed. You're going to have a hoof pick up on your feet. You're going to have 10, probably 20 pounds attack on you. And then you're going to be expected to work 20 to 20 minutes to an hour. Are you probably good well, for I five minutes? With right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's be real. You're probably good for five minutes if I rode you like a horse. <laughs> you know, so let's not let's not throw it out there of like, you know, because this could happen, but I think your expectations of my riding, you know, what riding is and what, you know, would happen is a totally different animal. <laughs> yeah, I, I gotta tell you though, if you're naked, we're okay with it. <laughs> it is. But if I'm gonna go like, hey, 
that was five minutes. I'm glad you had that nice warm up. Now we're going to go trot some more. <laughs> Pretty much, if you're naked, we're good with any of it. What have I always said, Helena? From the time we started doing our shows, guys think about two things: sex and food. Depends what time of the day it is, which one it is. It's true, you know. And my husband, I have learned a lot about men from my husband. My my, thank God I got married twice because I learned nothing from the first one. The second one, I know all about men, and I love them for it. You know, he. It's true. They are very different. Um, they think about. It's true. They think about sex all the time. Sex and food. <laughs> sex and food we and are work. actually very simple you guys try and complicate yeah. us we're it's very true. simple it's very true he, buck it's is true. very very honest like very forthcoming we have these great conversations we get up on sunday mornings and we have coffee sometimes we go down to the beach sometimes we sit in the living room and we just we hash stuff out we just oh i talk thought you were gonna whatever. say we have sex <laughs> that's too sunday mornings you know um so anyway, it's, <laughs> what are we even talking about? You said something about getting naked. Like, all right. Uh, so we were talking about the pickup line, but I, I, right. and I, I said, you guys always try and make us more complicated than we are. We, I think so. Nikki, do you think so? Yeah. I think when you look at it, you're like, oh, that's all I had to do. I'm like, wow, I could have saved a lot of money, a lot of t- less time waxing, a lot of less time getting <laughs> I'm like, when I really went down to it, I'm like, I spent a shitload of money on things I didn't need. Right. All I needed to do was take my clothes off. I just need to wear my purchase. And yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it. We're That's very how I picked simple. up my husband. saying this for years. Nobody I actually got him a Mac and my screen for Match.com was me on a horse. And that's how my husband met me. So I figured, one, you know, he's either going to be like, whoa, you know, this is girl, you know, can handle horses. And I also figured this is your disclaimer. If you see this, you know that you're going to be number two. <laughs> so if you still are interested, hit me up. <laughs> so so you met him one. on Match? I did. I did. I met him on Match. So <laughs> what was it about him that appealed to you? Uh, I think it was a little more down to earth. He's very outdoorsy. Um, you know, he kind of wanted to kind of go on adventures and do things that I wanted to do. And he was had no idea about horses, which was like, Yes, let's bring you. Let's bring you into this world. You have no idea what, how this what this cost. I was like, please come here. Let me, you know, let me prove you. You know, so that was pretty cool too. And uh, him and my horse, my horses don't. I mean, one horse, a pony, he gets along with my horse, uh, Aaron, the thoroughbred mare, and him have their days. So he's uh he's. I have to get him back in the saddle right now. He's a little hesitant to get back in the saddle because I kind of traumatized him the first day, but. uh you know, it's uh, he's not really a horse guy. He's an aircraft mechanic, so he does fix my stuff in my trailer, which is awesome. Okay, Ooh. what's the corniest pickup line that you've both had? Oh my god, corniest! So I had, I had one that goes, "Hey, this guy comes up and goes, do you have a mirror in your pocket?" I said, "No, <laughs> why would a mirror in my pocket?" He is like, "Oh, because I can see myself in your pants." I was like, <laughs> I was like, wow, and I actually became friends with the guy because I was like, that was really corny and stupid. But I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm game, whatever. <laughs> I never really met anybody at bars and stuff, so I there were no pickup lines. You know, I I kind of everybody I dated was I met through work or you know something else. I didn't really date. I I went out to a lot of bars. I mean, I grew up like going to New York City when I was, you know, 14, 15, 18, whatever. <laughs> so, 
quarantine. Um, Carol wrote. (laughs) And and, but I didn't like when you come in with this chat. You know, like yeah, that whole Madonna thing. Just like you know, I the hat though when she wears the hat with the veil over, that's kind of cool. I never really had pickup. People didn't try to pick me up. You were they were scared of you. (laughs) No, I would go out with these two buxom blondes, Chrissy and Patty, and we would go, and everybody would be like, "Look at the two blondes," and I'd be like, "Hi." One of my favorite stories was about. About how there were always people keeping an eye on you when you were dating in high school. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I come from a big family. You know, Italian and it's funny. It's, yeah. It's funny because we went, um, Buck Grace and me went to Florida to see my mom in February. And so I'm over 50 now. And my, I don't, I'm an only child. So I have cousins. And on my mom's side, all, most of her siblings have just only children. Well, half of them. Anyway, she's, she comes from a family of nine, right? As we get older, my cousins and I, we start to talk. We're like, hey, did you hear that Uncle Funzie uh, wasn't off camping in Colorado? <laughs> he, was, he was incarcerated. Did you hear that? This? So the older we get, the more truth comes out, you know? <laughs> so we're in, my mother's in Florida. And uh, it's this story that I heard for years and years and years. Um, it finally, like she let it slip. I can't even remember what it was, but somebody went away for murder. They didn't, it was like first so-and-so went away for manslaughter. You know, they, they got into a fight and the guy fell down and hit his head on the sidewalk and he died. And so it was manslaughter. No. And that was all that he went away for. Nuh-uh. Apparently he went away like twice and it was for straight out murder. And so then I'm on the phone with my cousin C. I'm like, Steve, you know, he's like, oh, you, you're just hearing that now. What are you, 50? I knew that when I was 35. I'm like, <laughs> so honestly, I, who knows what my family history really is? Who knows? <laughs> Maybe when I'm 70 or 80, I'll get the real truth. <laughs> I don't even know what the question was originally. Oh, 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 yeah. We answered that about the uh, pickup line. <clears throat> I, Yeah. Tiana says, my boyfriend told me one a few weeks ago trying to be cute and funny. It went, do you work at Build-A-Bear? Because I'd stuff you. (laughs) (laughs) Do these actually work? Do these corny lines guys use actually work? They must. I mean, you know, sometimes, I mean, if, you know, sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I never had, like, guys come up to me and say something because I was always if I went to a club or a bar I would be on the dance floor and and I'd be there all night just going to town and then then there'd like be guys like who would like you know come up to you and like dance with you and try and you you just like yeah 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 but if he was cute you'd be like okay oh yeah I'm, I'm down like, but it's like kind of the ugly cute sometimes so you're like oh this guy's so cute and you're like this and then like in daylight you're like Wow, close call. Uh, <laughs> I was wrong. I was like, wrong. That was some good tequila because that guy looked totally like you know uh, Russell Crowe. That like young Russell Crowe today doesn't looks like old Russell Crowe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Helena, you're up next. Okay. All right. So this one is from Mackenzie, and she says, "How do I convince my husband to pull the trigger and build out the 16 acres that we bought for our horses?" That we don't own yet. 
Okay. She says, I'm leasing a sweet guy at the neighbor's farm that I feed that I feed at several times a week. But the whole point of buying the acreage next door was to get our own. All right. How do I get my how do I convince my husband to pull the trigger and build out the so that, that we don't own yet? Okay. Pros and cons. A piece of paper. This is the best way to do it. Sometimes we get overwhelmed with like, this is what I want. It's my dream. We can do this. It's like our eyes are bigger than our stomachs, right? You're like, I want that whole cake. And then you can barely finish 12 pieces. So <laughs> the when you're looking at I making like a, I like a how made, you 12 pieces. <laughs> that's me. I have zero control when it comes to sugar. <laughs> when, when you have to convince somebody else of something, you first have to convince yourself. And the best way to convince yourself is to actually write it down on paper. You have to take away the, 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 um, it's like you're looking at the bell curve. You got to take away the, the lows and you got to take away the highs. And you're going to say, what are the pros and what are the cons of doing this? And that takes the emotion out and that helps you to make a clear decision about what does this, does this move this next step? Does it um, does it feed me what I want my life to look like and what yep. my husband wants his life to look like? And when you look at the pros and cons, you can decide from there logically, not emotionally, logically, whether or not it feeds both of your needs. Well, and I'm thinking it doesn't here because, you know, it, it, she says, uh, you know, they bought the land to buy their own to get their own horses. And now he's balking. He doesn't really want his own horses. I mean, uh, you know. Again, we're we're not we're pretty simple. <laughs> so. Well, but that's just it. You know, you you kind of have to you have to actually consider your husband. Think yeah. about him. What does he need? Maybe he doesn't need horses. Maybe he needs to feel valuable by being by by fixing fences, um, planting pasture seed, being a part of your horse experience without actually getting in the saddle. If that's not what he likes, find out what he likes. Find out what he needs. And then put that down on paper. It doesn't just because his needs are different than yours doesn't mean that they're not compatible. Right. I totally agree. And if not, it's going to build resentment because there's times where, you know, the dream that you said, you know, because it sounds like you already bought the property. So that's already there. So now what, you know, and what to see if, you know, does he really want to live this dream with you? Does he really want to have this passion with you? Because it's okay if you just want the horses. And he, like you said to Helena, wants to do like the fencing and the work and you kind of be the, the sideline guy. You know, maybe he, he changed it or was afraid to tell you he changed. Um, and I think that's an awesome idea. It's what I would do is sit down with pros and cons of what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. And it's just what we want to do moving forward before it gets too late and you're too invested and you've got 12, 24 horses. And then what? Because we all know if you have room for 10, you're going to have 12. I mean, I heard 24. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, you have to seriously think about, we all want that 16-acre property with, you know, 10 horses on it, or maybe just two. I just want a horse that I can, I want three. So I, I really only want two, but you have to have three, because mm -hmm. if you want to take the gelding away from the mare and not have her melt down, <laughs> you need a donkey, just saying, Buck. Um, you think about what you really need. 
Like there's going to be some compromise. How do I convince my husband to pull the trigger and build out the 16 acres? Well, and one horse per acre, that's 16 horses. (laughs) To pull the trigger. I mean, okay, let's say, for example, does he like horses even? Mm -hmm. You know, like what does he, how does he feel about the horse thing? Talk to him about it. I guess, I guess what I would say is do it together. However you move forward. If you're laying out the pros and the cons or you're talking about it, don't make it just about you. And you have to get to the real objection. There's a real objection in there somewhere and you got to dig it out. Yeah. Yeah. I had to go through something similar where I was actually the horse girl said, don't buy the farm. Really? (laughs) Why? Oh, yeah. Well, so, so my husband, we got together. um, We actually got engaged and then he's like, let's buy this horse farm. It'd be great. The problem is, is that he does go overseas sometimes for like three to six months at a time. So I'm like, that sounds fantastic. Um, that means I'll be breaking the ice by myself. I will be doing the hay. I'll be doing all this. So in my head, uh, the horse girl head, I'm thinking, well, it'd be great to wake up in the morning to my beautiful horses that I also now have by myself to handle because he's never handled horses. He's never worked at a farm. He's never gone up at four in the morning to do this. So, you know, and he was like, why well, we can have all these horses. It'd be great. I can learn how to ride. I'm like, but then the reality is, is that it wouldn't fit into lifestyle looking down like in the future, you know, always at what if, if I had maybe like help or if I had like the money, the income to say I can hire somebody to help me. But if it's just me, you know, doing all this in your way, then it becomes not pleasurable for me. Yeah. And that's, it, it gets old. So, yeah. So as he brings it up, he's like, we could have had this form. I was like, and you know, you're the one that we give a bail of hay and you're bitching about going from one point to another. Because you're so loaded at 90 degrees. So imagine that pulling around. <laughs> yeah, imagine unloading the tractor trailer load of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah it's so. fun to go to the boarding table. You can play and then you go bye bye. <laughs> yeah, there is an advantage to boarding. There are advantages oh, yeah. to boarding. Uh, there All are right. times I wish, I, I say, I wish that, you know, I had a, a shit ton of money and I could just not every morning, every single, there are no vacations for horse people. Right. I'm up at five o'clock every morning, whether I want to be or not. And the first thing I do is I press the button on the coffee pot and then I go drop hay. And you, you can't, you can't say, Oh, I'm going to wait. And you know, because there are these two faces standing at the gate saying, I'm hungry. I'm starving. You know, mm-hmm. they make themselves look skinny because yeah. you haven't fed them in a week or something. Uh, the dream, the fantasy, is so different than the reality. It, so I think that's why discussing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you get a big farm, really I remember when we had the big farm with 20-some horses. The problem there was Jennifer never had time to ride. Right. You know, between teaching lessons and taking care of horses, she didn't have time to ride. You know, and it was like she, we got to the point where she said, this is not why I did this, you know. Uh, yeah. And even having horses at home, I only have two, mm-hmm. but I'm the primary caregiver. That's mm-hmm. 99% me. I mean, I have to be down and out with the flu for, you know, to ask for help. Um, I also work from home. So carving out 35, 45 minutes to actually get in the saddle is not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, when you go, when you have to go to the barn, you leave your house or you leave your job, you get to the barn and you're there for as long as you need to be there in order to get out of it what you need right that can be two three hours it's very different than when they're at home and and that's the reason we have a small property that we we don't have anything bigger and that we don't have more horses is because i'd never be able to get in the saddle if i had more 
<laughs> so, you know, there's something to be said for the small property. 16 acres is a lot. Like sometimes I say, oh, Buck, I want to retire to Florida and I want to get a 10 acre, 10 acre farm. And I thought, who's going to mow that shit? <laughs> Right. I hear Glenn. I hear Glenn volunteered. What was that? Glenn? <laughs> <laughs> and it's you not even what? the mowing. It's the weed whacking. Because at 5'2", they don't make weed whackers for people like me. Oh, they, they don't, don't either. No, no, you're right. You're right. They, they don't make a lot of things for us. And I'm 5'1". I got you being. They really don't make stuff for us. No. Um, I say I want to come up with like a whole line of women's tools. Yes. Petite women's tools. Like just hammers. And like we, we shingled the shed, the hay shed that we got. And we used, mm -hmm. I used them. Um, a nail gun, right? That thing is scary because it's like 50 pounds, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm like waving it around and Buck's like, holy shit, you know. Yeah. Um, but Even manure forks aren't made for you you guys. Nope. The handles are, are on the wrong spot. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So. But um, And that's the reason we haven't gotten another dog yet is because, you know what? It is kind of nice not to have that responsibility for a while. There is that. I mean, it was kind of nice, yeah, especially during all of what's been going on. It's like, well, yeah. you know, it's kind of nice, you know, to not have the responsibility for a while. Yeah. There are times in your life when you want less responsibility, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like when, when, when I went food shopping this morning at Market Basket, it, it was my turn. You know, Buck has been going every two weeks, and he's sort of been the sacrificial lamb. And I went this morning, <laughs> and... <laughs> Get him it's, killed off first. It's a little, yeah. It's Mine a little too. freaky. I sent him too. Like. <laughs> well, he's like, I can't go. The people are weird. They're, everybody's wearing their masks. Every, no one makes eye contact. It's like freaking me out. You got to go. So I was like, all right. So I went. And of course, there's all this, you know, there's there's lines. Every, you have to go one way and people wearing their masks and you get the hairy eyeball, whatever. But he said, how was it? And I was like, dude, I took a toddler through the grocery store. <laughs> I went food shopping with a baby, a toddler, a, an elementary school kid. This was nothing compared to a little one who's like grabbing cans of tomato soup off the shelves. Not a problem. Don't ask me, where did that come from? How did I even get on that? I don't know. Oh, look, a squirrel. You thought it was a joke. All those years, right, Glenn? When we were talking about ADD? It's true. I, know, I don't know how true. we ever got a damn show done because between the two of us with our ADD, I don't know how we ever finished a show. I really I know. don't. <laughs> I know. All right. Last one. Um, so this is from Elena. She says, here's the ones for you. And this goes the exact opposite direction. And I am just going to say, you guys deserve this. Since my <laughs> boyfriend of six years and I have started dating, by the way, first of all, six years, you should be, you know, either do or don't. Uh, I've always joked that horses would always be number one and that he'd have to settle for number two. Now that I'm not riding anymore due to going back to school, he has now find, or found that he loves music and composition. He now spends every waking hour working on it, and I don't know how to deal with being number two. I feel like I'm part of this upside-down universe. Mm -hmm. I don't like it. Can we please go back to the natural order of things? <laughs> Huh. <laughs> ah, this makes me so happy, this one. <laughs> That's because Glenn wrote it in. <laughs> After 30 years, this makes me so That's happy. That's his alias, his alias is Elena. This is like payback for every horse guy in the world. Can I please talk to him on the show? I will just congratulate him and thank him for being our representative, the one we all aspire to be. Okay, I'm done. We got nothing on this one. This is a toughie. I think we need a professional. 
A professional professional. Professional professional. I mean, and I think that's kind of a taste of our own medicine. And it is hard. It is hard when somebody's so passionate. And, you know, I think it goes back to what we what we do. Like, you know, when we're they're number two, we're number, you know, the horse is number one. And still have that conversation because we did get a lot of questions about, you know, my husband hates to be number two. Um, you know, I think it's still, you know, find a way maybe to be part of his passion. If music's not your thing, it's to really, you know, unfortunately accept that you might be number two for a little bit. But I mean, in the end, we and talk she, about, you know, let's what, be what honest. Elena would not be complaining if she still had horses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. There's, there's a, a book that we read. Um, actually, Buck and I did a, a short series on discovering happiness with a psychologist, Larry Shashansky, and he wrote a book called Independent Enough. And the theory is that there's a difference between a codependent relationship and a healthy interdependent one. And that in relationships, you can be, um, it's okay to be independent and do your own thing. Um, and, and that's hard because we, a lot of us want to validate our partners and we want to make sure that they know that they're loved. And we also don't want to upset the apple cart sometimes. So we tend to do things that we think are for their sake, but it really just ends up making things really awkward and weird. So, um, I think that the pendulum though, in relationships swing. So it might go from, we do everything together to we do nothing together to I do just horses or you just do music. Um, and again, it comes down to sitting down and having a conversation and saying, I'm, I feel like number two, um, and that doesn't feel good. So it's not even like about being number one or number two. It's when you spend so much time with your music, I feel neglected. And he can say, when you spend so much time with your horses, I feel neglected. Let's come up with a solution together that doesn't like don't make me give up my horses don't make mm -hmm. me give up my music how can but let's come up with a solution to, together does that make sense does that sound yeah and it, it is about balance and it is you know we joke about one and two but in the end like we you know our, our loved ones are important to us, but you know, our horses are also our loved one and our, you know, I'm sure his music is a part of his loved one, but yeah, sitting down and saying, okay, this is what I need from you. So I know you're doing all this music stuff, but I need a day. Like I need like maybe Saturday afternoons for us to spend together. Or I know my husband and I talk about, you know, having like every other Sunday, like what do you want to do every other Sunday? Um, so I'm not at the farm or just having breakfast in the morning before I go to the farm, just like little things that, you know, say, I care about you. I want to spend time with you. You're not number two. At least that's what I'm trying to tell you. We're trying to convince you that you're not number two. Yeah, but to really um, be inclusive because it is not like Helena said perfectly. It's not like one, two, three, and have this this hierarchy of because that doesn't feel good for anybody, and it will it will come back to bite us in the ass in the end because they'll be like, well, you always put your horses first. We always do this first. It's like, well, no, it's all about balance. It's all about inclusive. It's all about being part of my life. Horses are part of my life. Music part of your life, and you know we can all coexist. Should I take it as a great big clue that Jennifer's trying to get me ride my bike all the time away from the house? <laughs> <laughs> Do you like riding your bike, Glenn? Yeah, Do you like it. it? Yeah, yeah. So you probably come back happy. Yeah, and she really wants me out of the house. for. <laughs> I, when you work together and live together for 30 yeah. years, there you do need a little bit of a break every now and then. Yeah. yeah. Well, I get cranky if I don't 
get what I need out of my horses. And when I do get on my horse and we have those oh moments, right? My husband's like, I love to see you happy on your horse. I love it. It makes me happy. Partly because he loves me, but also because I bring a different quality of energy back to the relationship when when I get my needs met, when as an individual, when I feel good, that energy gets kicked back into my household, to my husband, to my daughter. And likewise, when they are satisfied and happy, they bring a, a good quality of energy into the household. So I think there's something to be said for um, horses. When, when people say horses come first, what they're really saying is I come first. To me, mm-hmm. I'm taking care of myself. It's a form of self-care because horses are that important to me. They're that much a part of who I am. It's not that horse, that there's someone ahead of you. I'm ahead of you. I have to take care of me first before I can take care of you in our relationship. And there's a good analogy I give to my clients, especially in substance abuse, where once they get sober, they want to help everybody. And, but there's still, there's pieces that need to be put back together. It's still not well. And I say, have you ever been on a plane where the air mask will drop down? And they tell you to put your mask on first and then put your child's mask on. This is because if you don't take care of yourself or save yourself, you're not going to help anybody else. And that's, you know, you have to be able to be healthy in and out if you won't be a partner. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I use that that um, oxygen mask analogy when what's funny, Carol. Oh my god, I gotta read it. She said Sunday morning breakfast and then sex like Alina. (laughs) Here we go. It's good. Let's be honest. I mean, just have sex. Apparently, Glenn's like that fixes everything. It does. Okay, so. So if I go it out makes and I'm happy, just like listen, Alina said, if I go out and my horse gets the right lead at the right time, <laughs> my husband is a happy man. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it goes. Oh, uh, and Alex says that is brilliant, Helena. Look at you. <laughs> you missed your calling. You should have been a therapist. See? No. Yeah, Helena. You have a nice calming voice. You know what? I, I will say this. Uh, when I, when we, when we were here two weeks ago, we did this, Alina, that we came up with this stupid idea. Yeah. 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 Um, so you were the happiest I've seen you. I even got off and told Jennifer after we got off that night talking, we were going to talk for five minutes. We ended up being here for an hour. I know. Uh, you were the happiest I've seen you in, in 12 years. It, it took, I had to go through. Was it the a Sunday? Let me look at them. <laughs> <laughs> You know, don't give up on what you, so, you know, talking about the oxygen masking being the happiest I've been in 12 years, when, when in my previous marriage, I was a raging freak show. Like I was constantly trying to figure out what was wrong. Why wasn't I happy? Why was my, why did my kid have stomach problems all the time? Like what was wrong? Why was I yelling at her? She's seven. What is my problem? I realized that I had to put the oxygen mask on my own face. I had to do something to make myself happy. And that was freeing myself from a bad relationship. I couldn't make my child happy. I couldn't have good relationships with other people because I wasn't happy. And this person that I was with was making sure that I wasn't happy. Maybe not intentionally, but it was the the deal was sealed there. So when I realized that freedom 
from that situation was my oxygen mask. And I fought for that freedom. And I sacrificed for that freedom. It changed who I was. Now, it took a long time and, and um, I took a beating for it. But when you come out on the other side, I was so happy because I was feeding myself with what I wanted and with what I loved that I attracted somebody like Buck. And I attracted horses like Brody and Susie and friends like Glenn and Nikki. Uh, so I, I think that's a really important analogy, Nikki, that you made is to remember that you have to feed yourself first. And, you know, I'm alone. I'm, I, I'm an only child. I have my horses at home. I'm the only horse person in the family. I work for myself. I work from home. There's a lot of alone time here. So Glenn, when I had the chance to connect with you and all of the people that I, we grew up with here at, at HRN, that also feeds my soul. And I think it feeds all, all of us. That's why we, we do these things. That's why our auditors are our auditors. That's why you do thousands of episodes, Glenn, right? Nikki, you work with people. You, we need to connect. Mm -hmm. We need to connect. It feeds us in a way that we can't, even our horses can't do for us. Well, I think it's been more important than ever, especially with COVID. And we've seen that. We've seen a decline in people's mental health, an uh, uprise in addiction, because that connection is so important to have to human beings, to nature, to animals, to just, you know, a normal stranger, like just being able to say hi to somebody in like, you know, a food store and be able to get close to somebody. It's really powerful. We don't, we took this for granted, I think for a long time. And now I hope that we see like that we really need to be connected as a, as a race, as a human race, as you know, just being a good, good human beings. You know, it was interesting. This goes back what you said, Helena, this goes back when there was a period of time when that I was the unhappiest was when I wasn't doing entertainment of any kind. That's right. That's right. And that's why I, we, that's why I got a hold of Alina because basically my brother and Jennifer said, you need to go do something that's, that's, you know, that's an outlet for, for, for my creativity, mm -hmm. which is basically talking and entertaining. We, we didn't have the acting company for a long time. And that's when I contacted Alina and said, look, I need to do something. You know, it was, it took me a little because I was used to having an audience that you get an immediate feedback from. That's hard when you first start a podcast, by the way, um, because you don't have that. Right. It's it's not something that you have. Yeah. Um, and 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 I do have something I want to end with tonight. Um, let me find it. And I think I can bring it up and play it for everybody. And Helena, you're going to lap your ass off. Oh, good. Um, let me bring this up. Uh, you find the right one. I love it when you're doing stuff because then I get to actually read the comments. Yeah. The comments. It's going to take me a second. I have to share a screen. And br I mean, if it's any consolation, I know many of us, especially the auditors, I do answer you guys in my car when you ask some questions and talking. Um, there's plenty of times people probably think I'm you know, schizophrenic because I'm talking to Jamie, I'm talking to you, Glenn, I'm talking to you, Lane. I'm like, hey, that's so good. Oh my God. And yeah, even my husband's like, they can't hear you. Doesn't <laughs> <laughs> matter. Man. You guys have been extended family for a lot of us, you know, and it's, I can't tell you how much it does mean to me personally to have a horse radio network. And I know everybody else on here and everybody else listening. Oh my God. Everybody who's listening to this right now and who, who wrote, who, who helped me through my temper tantrum yesterday with, with Susie. I love you. Thank you. The, the, the virtual hugs and the advice and the theories 
I, you literally saved me from a major meltdown. That is why we do this. That, All right. So Are you guys ready, Helena? You, I hope you can hear this. Okay. All right. Let me hit play. If we know things are hard right now, you're stuck inside with nothing to do. You might be going out of your mind. Just wanting to do something. Anything. But now, more than ever. More than ever. More than ever. It's time to think about how your choices affect others. So please, please. Please. Don't start a podcast. Oh. Just don't do it. Don't do it. You might oh. feel like a productive use of your time right now. You've probably already got a USB mic and a spare room ready to go. <laughs> well, mate, Dave's got some interesting opinions. But we're here to tell you. He doesn't. He really doesn't. <laughs> He's a fuckwit. We don't need the true crime exclusive, which is just you reading Wikipedia articles to your housemate. We don't need your minute-by-minute -minute breakdown of every episode of Parks and Rec. What are you going to do? Send everyone in your contact list a MailChimp newsletter and force them to mark you as spam instead of unsubscribing? Because they're scared to hurt your feelings? We're in the middle of a pandemic! Look, it's pretty straightforward. Just don't start a podcast. Make some okay. pasta from scratch like everyone else and just shut up. The greatest gift you can give your fellow human beings right now? Right now? Right now is to shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Come on. Do it. Oh my god. That's amazing. That is the That's best amazing. thing ever. <laughs> that is the best. When I was in those, I, I had to pull out because those podcast groups with all those new people starting podcasts, they'd be like, can you listen to my podcast? Is it, is it good? And they're like, I told my aunt that she could make cornbread. What'd you think of that? And I was like, you might want to work on your tone a little bit. <laughs> You know, oh, and should, I, these people should not be starting oh, podcasts. Do you remember the one podcast we went to? <laughs> so we're meeting all these new podcasters. Every freaking one that year was a life coach, and they're all twenty-two years old. I know. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I had never. I didn't. Even, I had never in my life heard of a life coach. And I, I went over to Helena and I said, what exactly does a life coach do? And she said, I guess she just coaches you on your life. I said, she's 22. Well, she's yeah. <laughs> they hang out a shingle with a flower on yeah. it. It usually has a flower. Well, that's the way people can get away without uh, getting like, you know, nailed by the state or the government. Because when you say you're a life coach, you could be like a spiritual life coach and you don't have to have any credentials. So there are times where people will be like, oh, my life coach said, I'm like, Oh, uh, she was diagnosed you with schizophrenia. It's like not bad, bad. No, like, you know, lovely woman, I'm sure. But yeah, there's a lot of people out there. It's like, you know, they're trying to do good and help. But yeah, they're they're all life coaches. And they are. There's a lot of them, like 2023 with crystals and, you know, all kinds of fun stuff. <laughs> hey, my oh, nephew is a 22 year old life coach, but no flowers. <laughs> well, they're doing it wrong. They're probably unsuccessful, obviously. Uh, well, Glenn, like we Alex. had no experience. We didn't know what we were doing. You listened to, you know, Stable Scoop episode two. We were like, Bleh. we should have <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> we should have. We couldn't though. I like Alex said. Please, guys, don't shut the fuck up. Oh, <laughs> oh. Sometimes I do tell myself, "Only to shut the fuck up." Like you got to stop, and I can't. I just I'm like a freight train. Like, shut up, and I can't. Oh, Maybe there's this podcast. If you guys want to have a one. chuckle, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. I was going to say for, for our next episode, maybe it could be like how to shut the fuck up when you can't 
shut up. Like when you can't stop yourself, you know, that train pulls out of the station. Somebody needs to put the brake I think on. we all should come in with a list of life coach things mm. that we could, uh, we could just, you know, express our life coachesness. Our life coachesness? Yes. How good are we are as life coaches? All the things that we could you know, help people with as life okay. coaches. Do you, do you realize the irony of this conversation? Because we're out here giving fucking advice. And we're giving serious advice. Like these people should be listening. We're taking ourselves all seriously. Only Nikki. Nikki's here. She's like our saving grace. <laughs> you were pretty good tonight though, Helena. You almost sounded like yeah. a therapist there for a while. I was like, I know you. I, I I like to you know in my spare time when I'm not reading about horses I'm reading about psychology I I like I like one of my favorite podcasts is Hidden Brain. Have you guys listened to it? No, huh? and it's an NPR <coughs> podcast. It is absolutely fantastic. So it's a lot about it's the um, the psychobiology or really it's it's the the psychology behind human behavior why we do the things we do. It is absolutely fascinating and so it kind of turned me into an armchair psychologist but so I'm always like you know I'm a seeker of the truth I I hate living in pain and I find that it's so stupid and cheesy but the truth does set you free when you dig down to to what's really happening either in yourself or, or people that you love you find out that the truth isn't so scary it's it's pretty understandable and you you there's a lot of compassion in understanding and I think understanding and the truth go hand in hand I think we make a lot of things scarier than they are. And it, you know, it goes back to just keeping it simple and really, you know, not being afraid and just living our lives without judgment, without fear. And, you know, I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves and it's hopefully this pandemic and sitting around and not having, you know, sometimes the outside pressure will kind of reset us. Yeah. But I definitely check that out. I have a lot of true crime podcasts, so that's definitely frightens people. <laughs> I love the, all kinds of a, uh, if like you guys that. want to hear some really crappy podcasts, and there are so many really just oh my god podcasts, yes. oh my god, uh, there's there's <laughs> one called there's, Dave Jackson does one called uh, the Podcast Rodeo Show, and what he does is he just tunes in the podcast. He picks them by random on iTunes, and he tunes in for like five minutes, and then he rips them to shreds. And it's hilarious because some of these are so bad. They so start bad. and they're just three guys talking and you have no idea who they are. They don't introduce themselves. And you like came in in the middle of the conversation. It's just so bad. There's yeah. so many bad ones. Well, yeah. Ugh, it's all, you know, it's bad. <laughs> anyway. We were bad ones too, though. We have to be compassionate. Yeah, we did some bad episodes. I mean, I could still be bad. I don't fucking know. You know what? I don't even like when people are like, oh, Helena, your show is awesome. I'm like, yay. Somebody sends me a message like, Helena, your show sucked today. I'm like, delete. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, don't want to know how bad it like, is. You have really good radio voices. And I think there's times where I listen to podcasts and then like it's like nails down the chalkboard with some of these people. Like, and like, you know, like, oh, or God. they're like this and they yes. think they're interesting they and then they talk like this for an hour. <laughs> Without any guests or there anything. Was a, there was a really good um, fashion podcast that I used to listen to. And it was fashion industry. And, and uh, the content was amazing. But the two women's voices were so abrasive. It was so Valley Girl. Yeah. And they had the worst vocal fry. And they knew so much. And so their their presentation 
was definitely contradicted their knowledge and their experience. I couldn't listen to it and I would get mad. I would say, I really want to hear what they have to say, but I cannot tolerate their voices and their, their presentation. Um, and I, I, people don't, they don't listen. They don't hear themselves. They don't listen back. The one that drives Jennifer insane. And she had one today. She had to edit and she had like 120 edits in a 15 minute interview. It's the word like, and uh, every 20 year old says like 50,000 times in, in, in 10 minutes. And she cut, she'll cut them out. And I said, you know, other 20 year olds don't notice it. But we yeah. notice it, and it drives us insane. So she cuts them all out every like. Yeah. And it's tough sometimes because they use like five times in a sentence. <laughs> and then it's a – what the problem with like is um, – so the problem with like is everybody on the conversation starts to say it. Oh, there went Nikki. Oh. I think her phone died. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Nikki. Where'd you go? Come back. <laughs> Come back from the ether. She came back last time. She she disconnected right before the show. We went over an hour. We should we should quit. All right. Uh let's see if she pops it. Oh, there she is. Let's I had wait, somebody wrote something funny. Um life show like life coaches life coaches eat kale. <laughs> life coaches all seem to eat kale, so be careful. <laughs> They're all vegans. <laughs> oh man. You know, and yeah. and I could not get away from the life coaches fast enough at the podcasting conferences. And I, I felt bad because I want to help all the, you know me, I talk to them all at the conferences, Helena, but oh my God, I have nothing to offer a life coach. I just. <laughs> what, 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 yeah, what kind of life you live in? What do you got to share? You know, just... how many surgeries have you had? That's what I say. How many times <laughs> have you broken, broken the same wrist? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Suck it. You know, <laughs> How many, how many bankruptcies have you had? How many divorces have you had? How many, you know, how many yeah. jobs have you had? Oh, I haven't ever had any, you know. <laughs> okay. I'm like, yeah. you're 12. <laughs> <laughs> we get that too. We get a lot of um, people coming out like with their, with their masters and their license and it's, they go straight through schools. So they never had real world experience. And, you know, it's like they want to tell me everything. I'm like, look, you got to have a seat because this is going to this shit's going to get real, real quick. <laughs> so saddle up. And then it really is like, it's like that same concept of like, I know everything. I just graduated. It's like, you know, nothing until you're in the real world. And I think that's even with horses, you know, nothing until you actually are in the real world with horses. Dude, I do nothing until I have a thoroughbred. I thought like, they're not going to die on my watch. Uh-huh. I've had three thoroughbred mares. I'm glutton for punishment. I've had, yeah. So when I had it, when I made the comment, I felt bad. I was like, Everybody else is supportive of your comments. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, she's like, I'm putting you ass on speed dial, you bitch. I'm putting you on speed dial. I'd be like, Nikki, she's talking again. Yeah. You and Jamie. Yeah, Jamie's answering everything is do the butte test. <laughs> she's awesome. I'm like, Jamie, what do I do? And she's like, Brrr. she one, like, literally, her three words is her answer, and it works every goddamn time. I'm like, ah. It depends on the weather sometimes, too. I mean, there's times where my thoroughbred mare will ride beautifully. It's great. And then one day she's like, I'm going to just toss her ass across the field. <laughs> because I can. Because it's what I want to do. <laughs> well, you see, like, that's what I said about animals are a reflection of you. Like, yes. my horse is a lot like me. So I yes. need to respect her ass. And, and when I love her and I'm good to her, she's everything. But when I'm all, like, stupid Helena... She's stupid Susie. 
I, you know, with the at the end of, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but at the end of all of our shows, we always had try and have a catchphrase. Now, Helena and I could never remember the damn catchphrase for ten years, but uh, we always try and have a catchphrase. And I think the catchphrase in unison at the end of this show every time should be "Shut the fuck up." Well, you know what you're talking Don't about. And shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Nobody knows what they're talking about, so shut the fuck up. <laughs> Don't do a podcast. <laughs> Wait, Please I thought that was encompassing shut the fuck podcast. up. <laughs> Just shut the fuck up about everything. Like, don't type anything. Don't talk. Mm. Turn your no, phone no. off. In fact, just move. All right. So on that note, shut the fuck up, Nikki. Thanks, Glenn. Shut the fuck up, Glenn. Shut the fuck up.